I'm Chris Hagen. For those who don't know, I've been a language coach for many years. In my career, I've taught a wide variety of people from famous singers and radio presenters to doctors, uni students, and yes, even desperate housewives trying to find an English lover. I finally decided to share my thoughts, tips and tricks with the world. Also check out my YouTube channel if you want to see my ugly mush. So let's kick off this podcast with a great jingle. Doesn't matter where you are, in the car or at the bar. Is an anagram of risk. Chris. So here we are, the first ever podcast, and maybe the last if I don't start understanding how to use this strange technology. So what we're we going to look at in this first ever podcast. It's a historical event, so make sure you put the dates in your diary to remember next year. Each podcast, see, I'm already being optimistic, will have some of the same and some different things each time as I don't want them to be too long. But the first thing I want to ask you before we get started is what do you think of my jingle? Chris! Cool. Gotta hear that word cool. But now listen to the second jingle which introduces the next segment of the show. Say it! Say it right looks at pronunciation mistakes. Pronunciation, not pronunciation. Somebody once told me on social media that I actually said pronunciation. I've never said pronunciation in my life. So whoever you are, I love you, but you're wrong. So the pronunciation mistake we're going to look at today is the pronunciation of regular verbs in the past. This mistake many English students make when speaking. No matter how many times I tell people, explain this rule, they still continue to make the same mistake. Frustrating for them, I'm sure. The problem is, yes, there are rules, but people don't have time to remember rules when speaking. It stops your fluency, and as you know as British people, if we hear a gap in the chat, we jump right in. So let's look at three regular verbs. To ask, to accept, and to agree. Okay, so ask, what is the past tense? Can you tell me? Asked. Accept. What's the past tense? Accepted. And finally, agree. What's the past tense of agree? Agreed. Can you hear the difference? The past tense of ask is asked. So ED in this case sounds like a T. The past tense of accept is accepted. And ED in this case sounds like id. And the past tense of agree is agreed. And in this case, the ED is just a D sound, a soft D, nothing strong like D. Okay, nice and gentle. Imagine you're the Queen of England speaking English. She wouldn't say agreed D. So these three rules that we should know are connected to the last sound in each verb. So ask. The K sound in ask is a voiceless sound. Now, other voiceless sounds are So when a regular verb finishes with one of these voiceless sounds, the ED is pronounced as a T. Some other examples, finish, finishes with a SH. And so we say finished, help, finishes with a P. And so we say helped, like, finishes with a K. And so we say liked. Now the next one is quite easy to remember. If the verb finishes with a T or a D, 
the ed is pronounced as id. For example, expect finishes with a t, and so we say expected. Need finishes with a d, and so we say needed. We'll have a look at some more examples later on. So what about the third rule? Well, the first rule was about voiceless sounds, and the third rule is about voiced sounds. And vowel sounds, diphthongs also. So when a regular verb finishes with a voice sound or a vowel sound, we pronounce the ed as d. Remember, a soft d like the Queen of England. For example, listen. N is a voiced sound, and so we say listened. Play finishes with A, which is a diphthong A, and so we say played. So now let's have a look at some examples and see if you can tell me the correct pronunciation before I say it. What about stop? What's the past tense of stop? Stopped with the t sound. What about wait? Waited. Show showed, want, wanted, work, worked, and remember, remembered. Good, if you got them right. And if you didn't get them right, listen again or go over to my video on YouTube where you can actually see some examples visually too. So yes, the rules are there, but don't panic and worry too much about these three rules. Okay, it's nice to know them, but when you're speaking, don't think about them too much, because if you do, your fluency will be terrible. Nobody cares if you make a mistake. Okay, maybe your teacher does, or an examiner, but you're not doing an exam, you just wanted to speak English. So, just speak and repeat and repeat and repeat. It's the best way to remember how to pronounce these words in the past. And now over to the next part of the show, Jingle! What do you want? What do you want? Now I'm about to phone my mother. I'm going to record the call, but she doesn't know. So anything could happen. I'm going to ask her a question. The question is, tell me five nursery rhymes that you used to sing when you were a child and the origins behind them. I want to see if she knows. Maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. So out of five, how many do you think she will know the origins of? In my opinion, none. But you never know. She might surprise me. Hello? Oh, right. Why can I see you? I don't want to see you. Well, I'm turning it off. I, I was trying to press the mic because I thought, do you mean you don't want to see me? I don't want to see your face on a phone call. That very much. So tell me five nursery rhymes from when you were a child. Uh, London Bridge is falling down. Falling down, falling down. London Bridge is falling down. My fair lady. Very nice. And another one? Mary, Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? With silver bells and cockle shells and pretty maids all in a row. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown and Jill came tumbling after. Okay, you got two more. Mm, um, ring a ring a rosy, a pocket full of posy, tissue, a tissue, all fall down. Okay, and the last one, number five. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Um, don't be John, shy. 
Georgie Pardy pudding and pie kissed the girls and made them cry. <laughs> when the boys get... Stop it, I'll start again. <laughs> right. Georgie Pardy pudding and pie kissed the girls and made them cry. When the boys came out to play, Georgie Pardy ran away. Okay. Do you know the history behind or the origin behind these five nursery rhymes? No, I know a ringa ringa rose is something to do with it with a plague. Mm. Uh, London Bridge? No. Okay. Georgie Porgy? No. Jack and Jill? No. <laughs> <laughs> and Mary Quite Contrary? Uh, no. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question seriously. Do you, okay, all, all these five nursery rhymes that you've just told me have a dark origin to do with like killing people or affairs or whatever. Do you think it's right that kids should sing these nursery rhymes? Probably not, but they don't understand what they're about, so. Um, ah, so that's all right then. Mm. There was a wee mountain sprocket, tears like over the rocket. The rocket the fast and tickled his ass. There was a wee mountain sprocket. Oh, That's not a nursery rhyme, that's a limerick. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do an episode just about limericks just to keep Dad happy. Do you think that the kids who are singing these nursery rhymes should be told the origins or not? No. And so? Why did they still sing them? Why are they still taught them then? Because they're just classed as nursery rhymes. When it would, that's why they're just nursery rhymes for children. Children like to sing nursery rhymes, and they. No, okay, all right, okay. all right. I'll speak to you later then. All right then. All right. Okay. See you later. Bye. 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 So you've all just heard the loving way I speak with my family. So I asked her to tell me five nursery rhymes from when she was a child. Did you understand everything she said? She has a North Manchester accent, specifically from Bury. Bury is a place where the police were invented, and also black pudding. Do I get paid for adverts on podcasts? Hmm. Bury black pudding, it's the worst. So let's go over what she actually told us. The five nursery rhymes she told us were London Bridge is Falling Down, Mary Mary Quite Contrary, Jack and Jill Went Up the Hill, Ringa Ringa Rosie, which was the only one that she knew the origin of, and lastly she gave us Georgie Porgy Pudding and Pie, which is in a couple of songs from the past, and people I know who are famous singers sing these songs, including these lyrics, and don't realise what they're singing about. Now they will. So let me tell you, the first one... London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. London Bridge is falling down, my fair lady. This is only the first verse of quite a long nursery rhyme. But this is played by children in playgrounds where two of them, facing each other, put their arms up to construct a bridge, while other kids dance in between these two kids until the end of the nursery rhyme. When the nursery rhyme finishes, the two kids making the bridge drop their arms to trap the kid in the middle of the bridge, let's say. Now, this is because the origin of this song is about immurement. Immurement, okay. Immurement is when a human sacrifice is buried in the foundations of a bridge in order to stop it collapsing. Well, this is what they thought. Whether it actually happened or not, I don't know. I wasn't born. I'm not that old. Difficult to believe, I'm sure. So next time you're in the capital city of England and you're driving over a bridge, think... Was somebody buried alive in the foundations of this bridge? 
If so, don't worry, the bridge will not collapse. Now, the next one she told us was Mary Mary Quite Contrary. How does your garden grow? With silver bells and cockle shells and pretty maids all in a row. Now, the Mary in this rhyme is supposedly Mary I, daughter of Henry VIII and his first wife, Catherine of Aragon. Sounds very Game of Thrones. That show where men keep having sex in strange outfits. Now, I'm sure you all know from your history lessons at school that Henry wanted a divorce. And time and time again, he asked the Catholic Church and they refused. So he isolated himself from the Catholic Church and created the Anglican Church. And this is the time when England was divided between Catholics and Protestants. Now, when Mary came to the throne, she wanted to convert everybody back to Catholicism, going contrary to England's wishes, basically, as most of England was actually Protestant at that time, and they were happy about it. Now, she only reigned from 1553 to 1558. This I actually remember from school. My history teacher, whose name I've forgotten, my God, will be very proud of me for remembering this and not remembering their name. I don't even remember if it was a man or a woman. But anyway, during that period, thousands of Protestants were executed with silver bells and cockle shells, which were the fashionable torture devices at that time. Don't know what they look like. I can't imagine being tortured by a bell. Maybe listening to it ringing continuously would actually blow your mind. And not in a good way. Cockle shells? Mm, I don't want to know what to do with them. Now, the pretty maids all in a row are referring to the hundreds of women who were burnt at the stake for the crime of being Protestant. When I say steak, I don't mean that thing you cut with a knife and fork. A steak is a strong wooden or metal post with a point at one end, so you can really stick it in. Now, the third one my mother told me was Jack and Jill. This one goes, Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown and Jill came tumbling after. A pail is another word for a bucket, just in case you didn't know. But in the rhyme, to fetch a bucket of water doesn't really sound nice, eh? So a pail of water sounds a lot more poetic. Now, this nursery rhyme is really quite dark. And in my opinion, children should not be allowed to sing this. It's talking about Jack and Jill, okay? And Jack and Jill were actually Francis Louis XVI and his wife, Marie Antoinette, who were convicted of treason during the French Revolution. I'm sure you've all heard of that. So Louis XVI, also known as Jack, lost his crown, meaning his throne and his head. And Jill, or Marie Antoinette's head, soon came tumbling after. How romantic. Now, the only one my mother seemed to know was the origin of Ring Around the Rosie or Ring a Ring a Rosie. We all sing it different in different places. Also, there is a couple of different versions. There is Ring Around the Rosie, a pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. This one I never sang as a kid. I sang a tissue, a tissue, we all fall down. Like when you're sneezing. Now, in this nursery rhyme, the rosy is the rash that people got when they contracted the plague. The smell of this people tried to cover up with a small bunch of flowers kept in their pocket. This small bunch of flowers was called a posy. So a posy is a small bunch of flowers. And the ashes? The ashes were the cremated remains of the deceased. Now, the last one my mother told us was Georgie Porgie Pudding and Pie, which is the one that I've said many singers these days sing songs with these lyrics inside, not realising what they're actually singing about. Well, this is quite a dishy one. It's quite saucy. 
Georgie Porgy apparently refers to the English courtier George Villiers, Duke of Buckingham, who was said to be having an affair with King James I. Ooh. While there's no proof of this relationship, apparently King James was very fond of Villiers. King James showered him with money and titles. Now, Villiers did look quite good. I saw a picture. Picture, no. More of a drawing. He did look quite good, but it's actually written down in some places that he also raped many people's wives. Not really a nice chap then, eh? They didn't consent to it, and so it was rape. This is probably why Georgie Porgy ran away when the boys came out to play, because they noticed he was busy raping their wives. So if you're English, I've just destroyed your childhood. If you're not, now you know something quite dark about the UK. Are there any dark nursery rhymes in your country? Maybe. Maybe you didn't even know. My God, what have I done? I've opened a can of worms. Okay, so let's try and change the subject and go over to the last part of this podcast. Two, three, four. Some grammar, some grammar, some grammar. Let's all go some grammar, some grammar, some grammar. If I ask you to explain the difference between the two indefinite articles a and an, can you do it? I'm sure you can. And you'll do it with confidence because your teacher has told you the rule before and you remember it. You will tell me a before a consonant and an before a vowel. But is that right? Ah, no, wait. When the H is silent, we use an. Um, let's say that's 50% correct. So following your rule, you're telling me we say a banana because banana begins with a consonant. And an avocado because avocado begins with a vowel. Okay. And you're telling me that for the words with a silent H, we use an too. For example, an hour. This one we all know. So, with the word egg, we use an. With the word sausage, we use a. With the word hotel, we use a. With the word honest, like honest man, we use an because the H is silent. And with the word university, we use an. Hold on a minute. That sounds awful. An university. Ah, that's because it's wrong. You're thinking, but I see a U in the spelling, and that's a vowel, so we should use an like my teacher told me. Change teacher. University sure does begin with a vowel, but the sound is a consonant, not a vowel. Yes, the sound is what matters, not the spelling. I've seen millions of people making this mistake, and I say seen instead of heard, because I literally watch them struggle to get the words an and university out together without pulling a facial muscle. So let's check out a few more of these fun words which prove your old teachers wrong. Where do you live? In America? Asia? Or maybe in Europe? Let's say you live in Europe. Which city do you live in? London? Riga? Bratislava? No matter which city you live in in Europe, you all have one thing in common. You are living in a European city. See what I did there? A European city, not an European city. For the same reason as university. The sound is a consonant, not a vowel. And as for those words which have silent H's, they also begin with vowel sounds. If you haven't already, you should take some time to study phonetics. At all my schools, we teach phonetics 
as they are important, not only to cancel your original pronunciation, but to also show you how our strange but adorable language is pronounced. You will see that our begins with a vowel sound and that university begins with a consonant sound. Ooh. So take some time to have a look. There is a great site I use, twophonetics.com. You just type the word in the box at the top, choose which accent you want, either British or American, click and hey presto, phonetics. There's also an audio button so you can hear how it should be pronounced. Now, I'm sorry, but I have to rush off. I have a eucalyptus pesto recipe I need to try out. Even if I'm told that eating eucalyptus in large amounts could potentially be poisonous, make sure not to eat the leaves, only cook with the oil in reasonable amounts, and not eat while pregnant or serve to children under six. Well, I'm definitely not pregnant and got no kids in the house, so I'm sorted. See you next time. Jingle! Doesn't matter where you are, in the car or at the bar Here for you comes in your ears, another word for thanks is cheers Here's the new kid from the block, here for you around the clock Shining on his English lips, Chris Is an anagram of risk Chris